0: spend my dollar it's not about what you want it's about what you're willing to do to get it <laughs> run it again hello and welcome i'm not going to so quit asking when you give me a hard time for the listeners that didn't get to go this is the payback Alabama wins. <laughs> what you did last year really doesn't matter our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play all right Hello and welcome to a Questions Answered edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. No long monologue today, folks. We're jumping straight into the action, bringing down the Tide's season opening beatdown of Utah State in Tuscaloosa, 55 to nothing. And we're going to start with offense. And the offense, boy, I tell you, they were, they were clicking. Uh, Alabama scored on their first nine possessions. Uh, they racked up 30 first downs, uh, 559 yards of total offense. Which is pretty impressive. And the distribution is actually kind of incredible Uh, 281 yards passing and 278 yards rushing. Uh, Mathematically, you almost can't split it any tighter than that. So that was quite impressive. When we start on offense, we typically do start uh, with the quarterbacks. And so we're going to do that again. Uh, Bryce Young, no Heisman hangover uh, to the extent that that was a question anywhere. Absolutely not. Uh, His numbers were, I don't want to say misleading. I don't want to say they were bad. Uh, they were interesting, uh, how his numbers sort of cobbled together. Uh, from a passing perspective, he was 18 of 28. Mm, you know, the percentage there is okay. Uh, he had 195 yards, and that even surprised me. Uh, he, had, he had five passing touchdowns, and so intuitively I was thinking that his yardage total would be uh, higher than, than $1.95. Uh, he was just incredibly efficient with uh with his passing uh there were uh, he had five carries for 100 yards which uh which is a little surprising He, he had a long of 63 there was some thought i i thought that that he might be a more willing runner uh this year his second year especially coming off uh the heisman campaign you know he made the comment a couple of times last year about uh you know, I don't want to say stigma that, that some black quarterbacks have of only being runners or being athlete first and, and quarterback second, and that he was intentional in wanting to establish himself as a passing quarterback. And what better way to do that than win the Heisman? So I don't think there's any question what type of quarterback uh, Bryce Young is. He's a winning quarterback and he has is, is a dynamic passer. But he is an athlete and given – an uh, open field, he is he seems more willing game one uh, more willing to take uh, to take the opportunity. Last year, uh, we even commented on the podcast that he almost had an allergy, you know towards the line of scrimmage that he would move around, he'd move backwards to sort of clear space, but he wouldn't attack running uh, the line of scrimmage. He would later in the season, but it wasn't his mo. it wasn't a, a weapon per se. And I don't know that it's going to be a weapon this season, but he de- certainly demonstrated a willingness to 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 attack the line of scrimmage. He he commented uh, he had 100 yards and a touchdown, so and, and five carries, and so he it was not just an accidental thing that that uh, he found him found himself in space. In his post game presser, he talked about you know running to green space, and so if there's green space, I'm going to run into it and uh green grass and he mentioned green grass probably four or five times and so it's clearly something that he has thought about the coaches have, have thought about let's not be reckless we're probably not going to run into rounds with them necessarily but if the opportunity presents itself then don't be afraid to pick up a first down uh, move the chains with the first down maybe work on the sliding a little bit but uh, uh overall uh, i thought his i thought his day was quite impressive uh, even though the one ninety five kind of surprised me. yeah, again, you throw five touchdowns. Uh, you just you just think that there there's gonna be more yards involved. so uh, incredibly, incredibly uh efficient in his day. You know, he was having fun out there. he was comfortable. he was in control, and he seemed more so uh, Saturday against uh, Utah State than probably probably he did at any point last season, which is, you know, maybe itself uh, uh, impressive. He had really good movement in the pocket, and he did have a play that sort of reminded me of the the Tua play at Vanderbilt uh, a few years ago. Uh, just the the phone booth movement, knowing where the receiver is, and if I could just just defender get out of my way, I'm gonna uh, connect on a big play here. And uh, he did that for the first down. Uh, Tua at Vanderbilt did that for a touchdown. But the compare is, I know where the receiver is gonna be just get out of my way so I can throw the pass. And I thought that was very, very um, impressive. I like to see that. Backup quarterback, uh, actually both played. Uh, Jalen uh, Milroe came in first. He was 8 of 10 for 76 yards, touchdown uh, and interception. A lot of people talk about or a lot of the reading commentary that I, I saw f- f- seemed to isolate on the interception. It was a nice pass down the field. He was just off the mark uh, a little bit it's one i think he'd like to have back cuz i think he he definitely could could have and should have connected with the receiver so there's work there to be done uh but i thought overall he he looked good and, and again he was 8 of 10 uh and he did have uh he did have uh, a touchdown uh, he's i think a more willing runner than Bryce was last year and so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds and he just absolutely trucked uh, a defensive back there was no illusion of trying to juke the guy he just lowered his shoulder and trucked him and uh, so that was interesting to see. There's there's that that level or that type of athleticism that Milrow brings to the table, and he's a bigger uh, a bigger body. He's a bigger athlete than is Bryce. Ty Simpson came in. He was one of two passing. Not really much to evaluate there. Uh, he was very much in a in a mop up duty. And uh, there's some speculation I saw that Alabama might try to redshirt him this year, uh, create a little bit of separation. In his eligibility uh, from Milrow, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I think Ty is going to be uh, potentially the quarterback of the future. Uh, we don't know exactly when that future begins, but I don't think it's this season. So we'll see him in in spot duty. I don't know that he'll get a whole lot of opportunity to showcase his passing talent, but uh, I do believe he has it, and he's going to be a fun fun one to watch. Uh, in into the future, so I think the story of the day, and we can talk about defense, and we can talk about quarterbacks, and we certainly will. But I think the story of the day is the wide receiver uh, position. You know, how do you replace John Mechie and Jamison Williams? And uh, you know, at Alabama, I guess you just you just kind of reload. We may have asked this time a year ago, how do you replace uh, Smitty and uh, and Waddle, and uh, Mechie and Jamo stepped in, and so the fact that we might have a version of that question this year is not altogether a surprise because the, the level of talent that has come through the wide, rec- wide receiver position at Alabama has been outstanding. And uh, it's no surprise that there are candidates on the roster, and, and we saw many of them Saturday, that, uh, that may very well step into those roles. And a year from now, we may be uh, asking, how do we replace these guys? So we'll see how that goes. Uh, On Saturday, uh, Saturday there were 11 different receivers uh, catching the ball, so I really like the distribution there. And what's interesting, six of those uh, 11 were making their first catches at Alabama or for Alabama. Uh, Three were transfers and three uh, were true freshmen. So, again, an incredible amount of distribution. And this is without the leading returning receiver, Cam Latu, without him being able to play uh, Saturday. So the fact that Bryce came out and looked as comfortable as he did and distributed the ball to just a host of receivers like he did was just super uh, impressive. And uh, a couple of other guys, uh, Treshawn Holden, a junior, I think he is set for just a breakout season this year. He paced the receivers. He had five catches for 70 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Uh, Jermaine Burton, the trans, uh, transfer from Georgia, he also had five catches. He was incredibly efficient with his catches. Uh, he, I say only, he had 35 yards, uh, but he too had uh, a pair of touchdowns, which is certainly impressive. And uh, Kobe Prentice, true freshman, uh, noted on the uh, the depth chart as a starter. Be careful talking about that to Saban. Uh, But he had five catches for 60. Didn't have a touchdown, but, man, he looked really comfortable. Uh, He looked really athletic in the slot. I think he's going to be a problem uh, for teams. A couple other, you know, pass catchers of note, uh, Jameer Gibbs. It was nice to see the running backs involved. Three running backs uh, caught passes. Gibbs was one. Uh, Kitzelman had a pass. He's the tight end uh, transfer So it was nice to see him uh, involved. And uh, a couple of other freshmen, Isaiah Bond and Kendrick Law, uh, both caught passes. And I think both of them have an opportunity to be impressive. Uh, Isaiah Bond might be a name to to remember. So it'll be fun to to see how that goes. Uh, An incredible amount of talent at the wide receiver position for Alabama. uh, An incredible amount of talent and upside. So that's something uh, certainly to watch. I think the improvement here uh, will be – uh, will be significant. It'll be leaps and bounds as the season progresses. These individual players that played on Saturday will will improve incrementally as as players do. Uh, but Tyler Harrell, the transfer from from Louisville, uh, he was in a walking boot Saturday. He's going to get back to health, and we're going to see his speed, uh, which promises uh, to be impressive. And JoJo Earl, uh, who also has a foot issue, he's going to miss. You know, prob- my speculation. And that's all it is, is my speculation. I, I think he probably misses to the bye. And then we work him in, you know, the last third of the season, if you will. And uh, I think he was otherwise poised for a breakout season. So let's see what he does when he comes back. Uh, I think, you know, what may have been all the articles, uh, fans on the Zoom call, we talked about, you know, which receivers are going to step up. And uh, what what was a question 24, 36 hours ago? I think I think we have the answer and uh what's interesting and you know this is Alabama doing Alabama things what was a question a potential weakness uh is poised to be a significant strength uh for this 2022 team so that'll be fun to watch as that develops uh running back you know I think for my money if you're asking me I'm going to say that this was underrated as an issue in the in the preseason uh, I think it should have been a bigger question with the injury players coming back and the transfer. I think that should have been a bigger question than it was. However, never mind. Uh, it's incredible. Jameer Gibbs, transferred Jameer Gibbs, uh, was electric. I think, you know, I think Utah State bottled him up uh, early. I think they were they were spying him. I think they were really targeting him. And they, they said, if we can take away Gibbs, uh, who threatens to be dynamic, especially with the run-fit issue that Utah State had against UConn, I thought, oh, man, Gibbs could really blow up. And I think they were intentional in, in focus. He was a point of focus. But still, he had nine yards for 93 yards, uh, nine carries for 93 yards, uh, right at a 10-plus 10, uh, 10 average. Now, he did have a long of 58 and really sort of demonstrated, like, he can gas you at any time. And I'm actually surprised that that they were able to chase him down, uh, score, and, and, and you know, prevent the score. But he was just electric Electric once he got through the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's he's a tough one to catch, and, and is going to be a very uh, potent weapon for Alabama this year. He also had a catch for five. Uh, I, I as impressive as I thought Gibbs was especially on that that one run I think my net sort of level of impression are uh, being impressed at the running back position is is Jason and Roydale both returning from knee injuries significant knee injuries last season and the fact that they were both able to suit up uh, is impressive. Uh, if they had suited up and stood on the sideline, we've had generations Seasons past where the leading rusher or a star from a prior year's team who had a knee injury of that nature, it's the second year before they really come back. And they may play some uh, one year back, but it's almost, you know, a calendar year mark. And and these guys were were injured much deeper into the season. And to make week one, uh, uh, you know, if you'd asked me candidly in the offseason, I wouldn't have guessed that that would have been possible. So the fact that they both came back, and that, and that's why I think it was a bigger question in my mind than, than maybe others were saying, but both came back, both played well, limited. Uh, Jace had three, or I'm sorry, five uh, carries for 23 yards, uh, so he was effective. He also had two k- uh, catches for 25 and two touchdowns. Uh, very impressive. Uh, Roydale had three carries for 15 yards, very physical runner. He demonstrated that. That was on display. Uh, and, and, and he got injured about four weeks after, or about a month after Jace, and so even a little bit less time in his recovery. Uh, and he had one catch for seven, so it was good to see him utilized in that way. Both of those fellows, very, very impressive, uh, really make a, a significant running back group uh, for the Tide. Uh, Trey Sanders had one, one carry for five yards. I thought he looked good when he was in there, what he was doing. Again, he didn't get a whole lot of reps. Uh, But he's a player. He's kind of, for whatever reason, sort of one of my favorites. And so I hope to see more and more of him. Uh, Although these carries are going to be tough to come by. There's so much talent. And um, uh, Jamarian Miller, the true freshman, you have to absolutely be impressed uh, with his performance late in the game. He had seven carries for 32 yards and just showed a great burst to get into the edge, just just some uh, explosiveness there it's going to be interesting to see how this sort of shakes out because you start adding numbers and bodies and, and he's six deep. And so how do you, how do you, how do you get a lot of action when, when you're six deep? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because he certainly was impressive uh, Saturday. Again, I don't want to take anything away from the opponent, uh, but you do need to keep that in mind. Uh, we're going to go into some of these games and and probably shorten our bench a little bit. Uh, but We're going to have guys that are on pitch counts, right? Uh, Jace, Roydell, potentially Trey. And so that may, uh, uh, Jamarian at six, it may feel like more like he's a three and a half uh, than than in a 60 because so many of the players ahead of him uh, are likely going to be uh, on pitch counts. Uh, Jameer Gibbs himself, uh, he was the feature back at Georgia Tech, but I I don't think he ever, I, I I don't think his carry total was that high. I think he maybe averaged 19 uh, carries a game. I'd have to go back and look at the stat. I I, I read it. I I cataloged it, but I don't remember the exact number. But it was a lower number. And so you start to think about we've got a couple guys injured and maybe uh, they're on a pitch count. and Jameer, maybe he's not a 25 carry back. And then so if you're further down in the pecking order, there may be more scraps that sort of fall down the table. We'll see how that plays out. And uh, I think we certainly have the talent that can take advantage of that uh, if they'll continue to prepare themselves. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, another question that the Alabama team had was certainly at the offensive line, and I think they acquitted themselves well. I won't say that they went as far as what the wide receiver uh, tandem did and and said we're going to turn your question into a strength. I don't think the offensive line went that far, um, but they certainly they certainly dialed back. Uh, you know, being a liability, which, uh, which, you know, most would say, uh, the offensive line was a liability in 2021. There were a couple of interesting sort of transitions and, and this sort of, since you know, saving into, in, into a spin on depth chart and, and, uh, you know, maybe not produce him anymore and all that stuff. It was kind of fun to, fun to watch that, but middle echior and all sort of centers at, centers at the, at the guard positions, a so middle echior, uh, dinged up, uh, undisclosed as far as I could tell, and he missed a few days in practice. And so Coach, you know, said, hey, we're going to ease him back uh, and we're going to reward the players that played while Eki was out, which makes sense, uh, especially when those guys are starter quality. And so Kendra Randolph was going to start at left guard ahead of Javon Cohen, and Echior was going to man his position at the right guard, Uh, which he's had nailed down the last couple of seasons. With Eki missing some time, uh, the Alabama staff elected to put Kendall Randolph at the right guard and then bring uh, Javon Cohen at the left guard, which is where he started all of last season, so there's some stability there. And that unit performed well. The unit as a whole played better when Echior returned, and so uh, that put Kendall Randolph at left. And Emil um, and were at right guards, and so it's that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I still, for the long, the long game, I still like Javon Cohen at that guard position. Uh, but I thought Kendall Randolph played pretty well, and uh, I thought Darian Dowcourt, and I thought that he might not uh, earn the starting position, uh, but he certainly did in camp. I really like what Seth McLaughlin did uh, across the line last year. Uh, I wouldn't rule him out yet, but uh, Darian Dalcourt, I thought, played really well. And I thought he was physical. And there were a couple of times, and I would watch it on TV, which you get a different perspective than, than if you're live. Uh, but I thought da- Dalcourt, there was a lot of uh, of you know downfield uh, runs or passes or plays, and Dalcourt was downfield. And uh, he seemed to be, you know, the camera angle sort of flashes, and they follow the ball, and, and then, you know, they change to another camera. Dalcourt was in a lot of shots and that tells me that he's active and he's moving to and with the ball. He's trying to find someone to block. He's trying to uh, participate, it, you know, ex- extend his participation in the play. And uh, that, that speaks to uh, a guy that, that, that really wants to play, that really wants to perform and is really trying to make a name for himself. So I was impressed by that. Uh, we'll see how the line continues to come across. We'll have a bigger contest, you know, this week and in future weeks. So we'll see how the, um, uh, the offensive line progresses uh, again, overall, I think they demonstrated themselves uh, is not a liability down in and down out. And Sabin made a point of this. Uh, there were some explosive running plays, but down in and, and down out uh, the three, four five yards uh, just to keep the chains moving, keep the defense uh, on the field, converting third downs. Uh, it wasn't uh, the offensive line was not consistent. Uh, and there's ample opportunity for improvement there. And uh, I, I suspect that we'll see, uh, the Tide fans will see improvement there. Uh, I will say, uh, I think the facilities, uh, university facilities, uh, you know, they did some great work this offseason removing the, the turnstile from the right side of the line. And so I think across the board, uh, Alabama fans can expect to see improved, uh, improved performance. And uh, and then and I think incremental uh, improvement as the season goes on. Uh, the new offensive line coach, you just Eric Wolford. Uh, from what I read and what I see, people just can't say enough good things about him. And so I think uh, over the course of the season, uh, more time on campus, more time with the players, more practice, more reps, games, film study—that uh, we're going to see. Uh, we're going to see some improvement, but as Tide fans, we can absolutely work with this. Uh, we can be very pleased and proud of of what we're seeing and the direction we think the offensive line is going to go. All right, let's take a look at mini game ball on offense. And uh, I tell you what, I'm going to zig where a lot of people are zagging. Uh, I saw a lot of commentary that were that was down on Robbie Outs, and I I'm going to tell you, I feel very differently about that. And and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna explain that uh, for my money and we had a Zoom call Saturday morning and, and I sort of stood on the desk for Robbie Outs is not a tight end, he's a fullback. And we sort of lumped the the fullback and the halfback and the tight end together. And so when the depth chart came in, someone had to be at the top of the list, and it wasn't gonna be a true freshman, and it wasn't gonna be Cam who missed most of Camp, and it wasn't gonna be the transfer that's still learning the playbook. It has to be somebody, though, and so we're going to put Robbie there, and because we lump those players, we can do that, but Robbie's really a fullback, and that's kind of probably all he is and probably all he'll ever be, and I said that Saturday with with emphasis, um, and, and it turns out that there's truth to that, uh, but he demonstrated a great deal of versatility Saturday that uh, I, I don't know that I expected it from him. Uh, he lined up in the backfield like he's sort of always done, he lined up in a traditional tight end, you know, off the tackle on both sides of the ball. Uh, he lined up in an H back, which he's done that before. He split out wide, uh, like wide, wide, far wide, uh, outside the the, the the splits or outside the numbers wide. Uh he lined up in a slot and and just in a lot of motion, just incredible amount of motion. So I was impressed, you know, with his with his versatility. Now the people that that have commented sort of negative towards uh, towards Robbie, you know, I, I, I give them their point. Um, Robbie did miss a couple blocks, and he'd be the first one uh, to, to talk about that. And without question, uh, there's no exceptions in these things. He needs to improve upon that, and he'd be the first one to say that. Uh, Kitzelman, I agree, is probably the better pure tight end, and I think Latu is as well. And, you know, yes, I agree. The offense will go – will have another gear – uh, when Latu's in, in place. But I also know that, like I said, I was very impressed with Robbie's versatility. And and I say all this to really build up to uh, the mini game ball that, that I'm giving. He had an incredible hustle play. He had maybe an all-time uh, caliber hustle play. And it, it came on Holden's second touchdown. Uh, it was later in the second quarter. And it put the Alabama score at at 41. If you remember, uh hold, that Holden's touchdown was a 17-yard pass to the left. It was just an easy pitch and catch. Uh he made a move, uh, Holden did, uh, lost the defender. Bright Bryce, Bryce put the ball up, and it was an easy touchdown, sort of pitch and catch. Uh Robbie, Robbie outs lined up as in, in a tight end spot, so not a fullback or not an H back, but he lined up in a in a pure tight end uh uh, position, but on the right side. So he was opposite side of where the ball was going. And he crossed the formation. I had to watch it back a, uh, a couple of times in, in video. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Went back and watched it again, and they had a couple of different angles. Robbie crossed the formation and was hustling to catch up with the defenders that were closest to Holden. And 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 it, it presented as he was hustling to try to get downfield to assist if a block was needed. Now he very easily opposite side out of the play, the ball's going, you know, not off the line of scrimmage, but it's a pass. It's 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 pass to the outside. And so he's got what three quarters of the field And it's it's in the plays, you know, towards the corner of the end zone. He's got three quarters of the field. The play uh, is away from him. And so it would be very easy for him to kind of – I'm going to present and I'm going to take the play off. But he hustled, uh, you know, almost seeking out an opportunity uh, to assist the play. And by comparison – and be careful here. I'm not mad at any of the players. But in in comparison, when Bryce ran for his touchdown – and he had the green grass ahead of him, and, and literally as he was running, he was looking around for is who's going to wallop me because it, it can't be this free to score a touchdown. And Holden was in the end zone, and there was a defender on Holden, and when Bryce took off, that defender turned and, and ran towards Bryce. And while this was happening, Holden was dancing in the end zone because he knew that Bryce was going to score. But rather than, like, let me try to, you know, what I can do, because that's my guy, uh, he was dancing in the end zone. Now, I'm not mad at Holden. Uh, he's, I think, going to be one of my favorite receivers on this team. But the comparison, the contrast between what I saw Robbie do, uh, trying to hunt down someone, trying to run and catch up to and get in front of someone to block, looking for an opportunity, uh, versus celebrating a touchdown that hasn't yet happened, uh, those are two different things. And so for that I give – Robbie the main game block all right we're gonna flip the field to defense uh, overall just wow a dominating a dominating performance um, it was you know Utah State's a game but uh, but outmatched performance our opponent uh, we think they're gonna do uh, in fact we're impressed with Utah State and we think they're gonna do well in their conference just Saturday was was it was what it was and um but overall, we thought the Alabama defense was was dominating. Zero points allowed. That doesn't happen. Um, it really doesn't. Shut-offs don't, shutouts don't happen in uh, sort of this brand or this era of football, especially with a team that, that really puts up a lot of yards and a lot of points like Utah State does. Uh, typically, teams like that, even from smaller conferences, it's in their DNA To score, It's in their DNA to move the ball around. They know how to do it. And and some of their techniques work against almost any opponent. Now, maybe not for as many plays, but we rarely shut teams out anymore. Uh, Even, you know, even if you want to say a a lesser opponent or money game or however you want to phrase it. And so truly a dominating performance that this uh, Alabama defense put up. Utah State was three of 17 on third downs there and, and two of four on their fourth down uh, attempt. So uh, definitely stifled, uh, not an opportunity for extended plays or extended drives. Uh, here's here's something that you kind of run the numbers on this. And this is pretty impressive. Uh, overall, the Alabama defense allowed 136 total yards. Now, that's a very low number, 136 yards, 57 yards passing and 79 yards rushing. So that's the that's the distribution there. Of note, the very first play from scrimmage, Utah State completed a pass over Terry and Arnold, and it was a 23-yard play. Um, now, they ended up going four and out because uh, they went three and out after first play, first down. But that was a 23-yard play. And so if you look at 23 yards on that one play in a drive that really went nowhere, 23 of their 57 pass yards were on that play. So that's 40% of their passing totals uh, in that singular singular play on a drive that sort of went nowhere, uh, first play of the game where they were taking a shot at a first-time starting uh, cornerback. So all of that we can understand as Alabama fans, and then it it only just compounds the dominant performance uh, that the Tide had the rest of the day. And then the 23 yards of the 136-yard total, was 17%. So 17% of their overall production was on that one play. Again, we understand as Tide fans, oh, yeah, okay, they took a shot first play of the game. We're going to get turned around. You try not to let that happen again, and, and we didn't. Or the the Alabama defense uh, didn't. One negative, and, you know, you have to hunt and peck for negatives uh, about this Alabama performance. And a lot of people tag this as a negative. And I'm going to tell you, man, this is actually a positive, you know, Alabama put up this just pure dominant performance. And, and the knock on it is that Alabama logged zero sacks and zero turnovers. And my thought is, you know, typically you would expect Alabama to probably have a turnover and, uh, in, in, you know, probably a sack and, and such. One thing that I thought was interesting on third and longs, and this contributes to, you know, why they didn't convert very many of them. On third and longs, Utah State would just run the ball. And so they weren't going to put their quarterback in a position to get sacked. They weren't going to put their quarterback in a position uh, to maybe have to heave one up and, and, and get an interception. So they were they were playing sort of a, a different numbers game in in that regard. And so that contributed to zero sacks and zero turnovers. Well, a lot of times when you shut out an opponent and you and you truly dominate them, you do that by backing them up, sacking their quarterback, or taking the ball away from them interceptions or turnovers or, or, or whatever. And to, so to put up such a dominant performance and actually have none of those big defensive plays, sacks and turnovers, for my money, that's even more impressive because uh, you didn't use in, in having a dominant performance, you didn't use the weapons that generally characterize a dominant performance. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, they did have six pass catchers. So they did uh, attempt to distribute the ball. Uh, only two had two y- had two receptions and they and, and four, four players had one. So not a lot of repeat success in, uh, in, in the passing game there. Uh, lots of rotation, the Alabama defense, lots of rotation and uh, just an incredible amount of growth. So uh, let's hit some individuals. Uh, there's too many to name. Uh, so we'll call off a couple. Will Anderson, he lived up to his billing. Uh, again, no, there were no sacks, and so he didn't have you know an 18 sack day. But he lived up to his, his billing. Uh, he blew up a running back on an RPO, uh, and I like you know, Kubrick said uh, from the sideline, you know, if you're going to option off of Will Anderson, it's really not a good idea because he's so fast that he can just blow up what you're trying to option on. And so maybe the quarterback should have kept the ball and, and sort of bounced it out. Uh, I think Will probably would have uh, adjusted quick enough to, to eat that up. But he just absolutely ate up the running back uh, for a big, uh, a big loss there. He was disruptive even when he wasn't making the play, and that's for my money. That's the hallmark of Will Anderson. We've we talked about that so many times last season, and we saw it again Saturday. Uh, Justin Abouie. Uh, doesn't get a lot of love, doesn't get a lot of press, but he had a big run stuff uh, early in the game. I thought he looked a, a little more muscular. He looked a little, you know, twitchier, a little faster. I think he's going to be a contributor uh, this season. He's always has been, uh, but sort of a, more of a, a stabilizing baseline. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, a few more big plays out of him this season, so that'll be fun to watch. Uh, Tim Smith had a big uh, run stuff. Uh, he looked active. I think he's going to be a contributor, certainly for the Alabama defense. Jaheen Otis, uh, just a lot of stories about him and his weight loss and his tenacity. And and I love saving an oppressor said, you know, I don't want to get too technical. Uh, You know, without getting too technical, he's just hard to block. And so uh, we'll take that. We'll take guys that are just hard to block uh, on the defensive front. And I think uh, the fact that he got playing time at all is impressive. The fact that he got it it spots early and was in a rotation really bodes well. So I think we're going to see a lot of Jah- Jaheim Otis as the season progresses. He's absolutely, he's a true freshman. He's absolutely going to get better and better and contribute more and more as the season goes on. Linebackers, uh, Jalen Moody, uh, his it's not his first start, but it's his first season as a starter. And so he started when other people have been out. But uh, this is this is his first. You know, he was in the portal and then came back, and you know, for an opportunity to, to fight and win the starting job, he did that, and uh, it was you know proud to see him have a big performance. Number forty-two, at the middle linebacker, uh, he led the team with six tackles, uh, which itself speaks to a lot of rotation. Only six tackles was the, was your leader. It's easily sometimes twice that, but uh, that speaks to a lot of the rotation, uh, the number of players. Uh, Deontay Lawson uh also uh subbed in at the middle linebacker spot, And and I owe everyone a correction. In the defense, uh, I was talking about DeMoy Kennedy as playing a platoon with Jalen Moody at the at the middle linebacker spot opposite Henry Toa Toa. And and I and I and everything I said I agree with, except for I meant to talk about Deontay Lawson instead of uh Des Moines Kennedy. So I do think that as we get you know, a couple of games in, there is an opportunity for Lawson to overtake Moody. And if he doesn't just outright, outright out uh, overtake him, I think there's an opportunity for there to be a platoon uh, at the position, depending upon down in distance or opponent or how they attack uh, offensively. So that'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Uh, he looks like a beast out there. Uh, uh, I'm just going to say uh, Lawson does. Uh, Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams, I thought, played well. It was satisfying to see that they weren't the leading tacklers. Uh, A lot of times last year, they would be the the leading tacklers. Uh, It was amazing how many times Hellams, even though he was sometimes playing in a platoon, how he might have, you know, nine or 10 or 12 or 11, you know, tackles on the day. And so the fact that he only had two uh, was not an indictment of his performance. It was praise for the rest of the defense. So that was good. He also had an incredible pass breakup, uh, which really speaks to his athleticism. Uh, and again, battle looked really good out there as well. The corner positions, I really like the depth that uh, Alabama has demonstrated. And, uh, in, in, you know, four played, Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, Eli Ricks, Kyrie Jackson, and uh, Terry and Arnold uh, all played at the cornerback position. Uh, Brian Branch, uh, he played a little bit at the corner as well, and I think that's just giving him some reps, uh, you know, at, at the position. But uh, he, he's a quality player as well. But I really like the length and the size uh, that that the, these guys have, uh, and I think most of them really flashed. Uh, Tarian, I'm not picking on him. He was uh, sort of attacked on on that first play, but the rest of the time he was in there. Uh, he seemed to settle down. And that's the kind of thing. Put it on film, and uh, and and likely, you know, corners, the quality ones. They learn, and they don't get beaten in that way again. Uh, it's a good, that, you know, it wasn't a touchdown. We've seen it be a touchdown before, and this was not a touchdown. So, you know, we'll take that certainly as well. Um, I think, you know, the dime package. I'm super excited about the dime package with Brian Branch and Malachi Moore on the uh, on the field at the same time. I will say this though. And I did see this in the game, Malachi Moore. I like him better in the box than I do out of the box. Uh, he has a tendency to get beat in coverage, and he did on Saturday. Uh, he did get beat in coverage. It was just a uh, it was just a bad pass, and the receiver made uh, a bad play on the ball. But had that ball been um, been spotted well, uh, it potentially could have been a touchdown. Certainly a big play. And Malachi could have been in better position, but he was not, and so I think that's something that that the coaching staff will work with him on, and, and he'll work on. Uh, but I do like my Malachi closer to the box, and uh, as as opposed to out. So that's something we'll keep uh, we'll keep an eye on. Uh, he he gave up a couple. Uh, he got beaten in coverage a couple times last year, and uh, in his freshman year he seemed to play when he was freshman All America. Uh, I mean, he has a world of talent. Don't get me wrong, but he seems his his big plays seem to come you know closer to the box. So we'll see how that how, how that plays out. Mini game ball is uh, Kyrie Jackson. I couldn't talk about corners without uh talking about Kyrie specifically. And man, he had a highlight play of the day. Like if they go back and and you know touchdowns and receiving catches and stuff like that are you know play of the year candidates. But if if you're gonna if you're gonna answer me honestly. Honestly, about you know a, a play of the a play of the day, defensively play of the game, maybe a defensive you know play of the season, uh, it's going to be what Kyrie <laughs> Kyrie did. You know it a little swing pass, and it was well blocked, and and the blocker came to pick up Kyrie, and and Kyrie just had nothing of it, and he didn't juke or spin around or try to you know outwit the defender. He just said the ball carrier is behind you, so I'm going through you. And he did, and he ran through the, um, the, the blocker and it was the blocker. It was the momentum of the blocker going backwards that actually tackled the, uh, that actually tackled the runner. And so he went up there and, and it effectively tackled both of them or effectively, uh, just knocked them both, both over his bowling pins. Right. And, uh, that was super impressive. That's just one of those plays that get your blood flowing. Uh, that's just, you know knocking you know i want to say home and knocking football it wasn't a legal hit i don't mean anything like that but that's just rock and sock them physical football there so you tip your hat to uh to that kind of play all right special teams uh you know will reichert was two of two on, on his field goals had a long of 45 so that was nice seven of seven on his pats uh so he had a he had a nice productive 13 point day uh which it's sometimes it's funny to see the points add up for kickers, Gus, you know, with the field goals and the and the PATs, they get they get a little they get a little taste of, of all the touchdown action. Uh, James Burnup had a really nice fifty one yard punt. This his successful punt, and it's not his fault, uh, but his successful punt uh, and, and I want to pause on a fifty one yard punt is is incredible. Whoever kicks it, uh, but it just I, I wasn't sold on him last year. And so, for him to come in in his first punt and hit a 51-yarder, very pleased with that. And so, hopefully, that's representative of, of more of what we'll see uh, from him. But he did have his second punt blocked, and again, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's his fault. I don't think it was an operation uh, error from from that perspective. Uh, I think late in the game they did an all-out blitz, and you know, people can argue not blitz, but you know, coming after the punter, and you can argue should they have done that. I don't know. They did. And we weren't ready for it, and uh, I, I looked like you know Toa Toa maybe missed his block there. I think that's imminently fixable, and uh, so I'm not I'm not really worried about it. And in fact, you know, if I'm honest, and if Coach Saban were honest, he'd be like, "Oh, good, I got something to bitch about," and uh, you know, keep their attention. Something that they have to continue to work on because look, we mess this up pretty good, and that type of play, if it happens the wrong time against the wrong opponent in the wrong situation, it can cost you a ball game. So. I'm not too terribly upset that it happened uh, because, you know, we can use that as, you know, never never waste a loss, right? And uh, so we can we can build on that. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry as the part returner, I don't like it. I'm just going to be straight up. I don't like it. Uh, I'm old enough to remember not liking Fernando Bryant returning punts. Uh, you've got your top corner and you're going to risk him returning uh, punts. I like it to be a younger guy, maybe your third receiver, uh, that type of, you know, that type of player. But, um, you know, to put your best cornerback out there, we've done it uh, as Alabama uh, fans. Uh, we've done it before. Other teams do it. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but Cooley uh, McKinstry, for as much as I don't like it, I'm going to tell you straight up, damn, he looked good doing it. Uh, very fluid, natural, athletic. Um, I had it stuck in my head, you know, maybe it was just, you know, last season, I had it stuck in my head that he was more like a Dre, Dre uh, Kirkpatrick, tall, lean, and maybe a little bit stiff, uh, but you know certainly capable of playing uh, the corner. No, McKinstry's not that; he's got more juke and and um, you know a little more, uh, no pun intended, but a little more fluid in uh, in his athleticism, and uh, he looked really good and just natural at the punt return position. So I would not be surprised if – I wouldn't be surprised if he returned a couple of them this season or had had big returns in in the punting game because he, he just looked that good doing it. All right, so what's next for this Alabama team? In general, I'm going to say this Alabama team needs to keep its wits, uh, stay out of the press, all that stuff. Keep your head down, go to work, trust the process, work the process – game by game, all the, all the mantras that you sort of get lost in coach speak, but they're true because they're true. And there's not much that this team or this collection of talent can't do. If they'll just, you know, attack every day, one at a time, uh, they're uh, just an incredible amount of talent accumulated on this team. And there seems to be a will for a willful interest in getting reps and experience, um, to as many guys as possible. So that'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out. And you could argue that that's something that, that maybe last year's team could have benefited by. And, you know, a lot of discussions are around, you know, to be had on that too. You know, the players got to be ready for it. And this team looks like they are. So that's exciting. Uh, We want to talk about what's next up for this team a little more specifically. Uh, It's an early kick next, uh, next week in Austin against Texas. Now, I can't understand why this is a noon kickoff or 11 uh, in Tuscaloosa central time. Why is this an 11 a.m. kickoff? Uh, this, I remember we used to play like the JP game at 11 in, in Birmingham. And I don't know how we ever made some of those games, but, but um, why is this an 11 o'clock game? I don't know. Why is this not a, a prime time, you know, cash in your commercial, um, uh, you know, billing for a game like this game of the week. Uh, I, I don't have answers to any of those questions, uh, but nonetheless, it's going to be an early, early kick down in Austin and uh, it's going to be a step up in talent, you know, of course, and it's going to be a hostile playground. And that's fine. I, I think, um, I think Texas is not back. Uh, I think, you know, play to play. I think the running game improves. I think Cam Latu returns, and I think he elevates the the tight end position, and so that provides an element that was not available to Alabama on Saturday. So I think there's a gear there. Uh, I think the passing game continues to bloom. I think part of that is because of Cam, and part of it is because of the other guys they have a week under their belt. And uh, boy, scoring, scoring those, you know, getting those catches and scoring those touchdowns are fun. So this, this practice hard because I want I want more of that. Uh, I think we're going to see that that type of mentality. Uh, across the receivers. Uh, and I think the defense just picks up where they left off. They're going to say, yeah, all right, we're turning up the volume here with another opponent, but we're going to go out and we're going to do what we do. And if we do what we do, then we're not worried about, you know, what they do. And I think they're going to have that type of mentality. There's going to be a lot of Alabama knows Texas and Texas knows Alabama with with the coaching, the coaches and and and, and more players than, you know, might, might imagine. But uh, I'm going to tell you what, I think the tide is going to roll. I view this as uh, Alabama taking truly just taking care of business, and uh, I, I see this being a 38 to 10 uh, style ball game. Might be close early. Uh, it might be might be 10 to 10. It might be seven to seven. It might be seven to three or three to seven at the end of the first quarter. Something like that. Uh, Texas will come out with a lot of emotion early, and if they can cash in on that emotion, then uh, they could take the lead. It could be very close uh, at the end of the first quarter, but I think through the remaining three quarters, Alabama steps up and steps away from Texas. Uh, And again, I think it's a, it's a, it's a multi-score differential. So 38 to 10 is what I am guessing. And so we appreciate all all of you for listening. We ask that you go to iTunes or your sort of uh, podcast delivery device machine and uh, leave us a review. Sign up for our support team. We've got Zoom calls, and uh, we've got sort of a, a text group, and that we're we're chatting during the games. We've got Zoom calls before the games, after the games, and uh, and then a group of us are getting together uh, in Tuscaloosa schools later this season. It's not too late. it's not too late uh, to join in that. So uh, hop over and join the Zoom calls, and uh, you know have an opportunity to participate in that and support the support the show. But if you're listening, a one, we appreciate that. Uh, without question so this has been another edition of the alabama football podcast roll tide thanks for listening to the alabama football podcast we love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show we encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like where we can improve or just to shout out a roll tide we are where you are itunes facebook twitter email newsletters t-shirts free roster downloads And, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.